good to see you in God's presence today, everybody. And uh, I want to thank God for your lives. And those of you who are joining online as well, I want to say God bless you. The Lord continue to be magnified in your lives. We are truly grateful for uh, this day that God has helped us to see the penultimate Sunday to our eighth anniversary as a church. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. God has been very kind to us as a mission, and uh, I want to thank God indeed. I believe next week will truly be a, a time of celebration for us. So let us come with expectation. Right from tomorrow, we're going to start a special prayer session, uh, and uh, we're going to pray into the weekend like that. So let us be expectant. It's going to be not just marking an anniversary, but it will also be the dawning of a new day. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Amen. Glory to God. So I want to welcome you all. If you are online, God bless you. Thank you for joining us. If you are joining us live, God bless you. But if you are also watching this recorded uh, on our Facebook page, that means you can also follow us on our services. If you are not in a service, you can follow us in our services from 10 a.m. Uh, every Sunday. We broadcast live by God's grace. And um, you can watch the recorded versions as well. We also have a YouTube page. It is called LifeGate Outreach TV. We have had that page going since the inception of the church. And um, you can listen to all the messages there. We are also on major audio platforms on podcasts. So uh, Google Chrome, Chromecast, uh, iPod, uh, I, I, um, iOS, and Android platforms of various kinds. So find us there as LifeGate Outreach Center. We have had messages there from 2017, and um, I'm sure you'll be blessed. Because our messages are taught in series, you will do yourself some good to uh, follow up the other aspects of the series that you are hearing if you are hearing the messages for the first time. By the grace of God, today we are on the eighth session of our series on the purpose and power of time. The purpose and power of time. And um, as you may be able to see in our banner, we have the eighth topic today, which shows that we are looking at making the most of today. Thank you. Making the most of today. Making the most of today. The power of today. This is the eighth session in the whole nine parts, but this is part, uh, part number four of the second segment, which is on the power of time. We have said since this series started that there is a purpose for time. When we read in the whole of last month, we looked at Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and said there is a time for everything. So there is a purpose for time. A time to be born, that's the purpose. A time to die, that's the purpose. A time to uh, uh, separate, a time to come together, those are purposes. But in every one of those purposes accompanies with it also a power. The, the time to be born must be accompanied by the power to be born for birth to take place. Even though it is a time to be born, if you are uh, uh, a, a woman or you've seen a woman in labor about to give birth, you will understand that there is a lot of power that is involved, you know? Because it takes everything to bring about that child. It's the time, but then there is also a power to do it. So there is always aspect of power of time. 
And one of the things we have been doing in the last five, uh, in the last three weeks is really looking at how we can make the most of the power that is inherent in a particular time frame. Last week, we looked at making the most of the power of yesterday. We say there is a place and a time called yesterday in your life, which refers to things that have gone past in your life that you can no longer control in terms of the events happening because they have happened and they are now history. But you can still glean wisdom from them. You can still celebrate the testimonies that come from them. So if you have not listened to that message, please listen to it because it helps tide us, tide us nicely into what we are doing today. And like I said last week, because these three weeks we are looking at the power of yesterday, making the most of yesterday, the most of today, and then next week the most of tomorrow, we will keep talking about the three together because um, they're all linked and mostly they're tied to your today. When you are in a today, you have a yesterday and you have a tomorrow and so on and so forth. So... Let's get the context, but the emphasis today is the making of this session is making the most of today. Hebrews 13, 8 has been our anchor scripture to a large extent. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Every time we talk about today, we are talking about the present. The present. This could be in the context of the 24-hour present which is the day, the 24-hour day, or we can talk about today in the context of a week. So this week that we are starting today, ending on Saturday, is a week which we can call today in the context of the 52 weeks of this year. And uh, if we're talking in terms of months, this month, August, is a today because this is August 2021. So it can be a today in the context of the months of this year. So it is essential for us to understand that today may be the 24-hour day, which we all know, which is clear, but we're talking about the present, a present time frame, a present season. So we, we, this year, 2021, can be a, a today in the, in the context of all the years that you know, we can live. So 2020 was yesterday in the context of 2021 being the year we're living in and is the today. So we should all try to understand this because it will help us. So today is very important. It is very, very important. We must see that today is the bridge between our yesterday and our tomorrow. Today is the bridge between our yesterday and our tomorrow. Today is our present day. So what we are doing today helps us to see those things we talked about yesterday, making the most of yesterday, and then planning for what is about to happen tomorrow. So today is so vital. Say with me, yesterday is history. Say tomorrow is imagination. Say yesterday is history. Tomorrow is imaginary. Or today is reality. We'll say it one more time. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is imaginary. But today is reality. Today has so much power that if you keep leveraging the power of today, your yesterday will always be sorted and your tomorrow will always be planned. You cannot afford to joke and toy with your today, whether it's the 24-hour today or the today of this week or the today of this month or the today of this year or the today of your, a season of your life. You can never, ever 
underplay the power of your today. We must keep seeing today like uh, what God showed me in the course of the week. How many of you have ever seen a lifting bridge? These bridges that are lift, lifted from time to time, so traffic cannot cross from one side to the other, and then ships can go across. You've seen those before? Let me see your hand if you've seen them, okay? They're very sophisticated. Some of them are very simple, very simple one-lane bridges that just go up like that and uh, allow the thing and then comes back down. But some are much more sophisticated. I saw one in Dubai that carries about four lanes each side uh, and uh, it's just something else, you know, taking it to another level like they do in that country. But the concept is the same. Now, I see a one-lane road. What God showed me about today is that, that today is like that bridge on a one-lane road that you can only go one direction. But every time it's lifted, you do not allow, it does not allow traffic to pass from one side of the river to the other. That that first side where traffic gets to is like a yesterday, and the other side is like a tomorrow. That bridge is your today. So you have power the same way that bridge can go up and down to allow certain traffic to pass and stop some from passing is the same way your life today must be allowing certain things to come from your yesterday into your tomorrow and stopping some things from going. The same way. You have to determine what is it that I need to. You know, you heard the phrase burnt bridges, that I burn bridges, yeah? You burn bridges. You don't burn every bridge. That you have gone past something doesn't always mean you burn it. Some people just burn everything. I say, I'm, I, you like burning bridges. <laughs> you don't burn every bridge because some bridges still need some things from your yesterday to come. Some relationships that may not be speaking very well in your yesterday, but you have moved on, don't burn the bridges because there may still be a need for those relationships to come into your tomorrow and join you on the journey ahead at some point. Go and ask Peter, uh, Paul and Silas and Paul and Mark. At a time, Paul didn't want to see John Mark because John Mark left him. So in Acts 15, they say, take John Mark. He said, no, I'm not taking that one. <laughs> he said, I'm not taking that one. He departed from me before. Give me Silas. But later on, he said, give me John Mark. He's very useful to me. When he was writing to Timothy, he said, send for John Mark for me. He's very useful to me. So we must understand these things and see them very well. Today is so key. Say it again. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is imaginary, but today is reality. So Jesus said, you hear me quote this scripture many times. It's one of my very inspiring scriptures about Jesus Christ and me as a person, as a follower of Christ, and why I must be very keen to do what God has called me to do. Jesus said in John 9, 4, I must walk the walk of him who sent me while it is day. While is this today? There are certain things you cannot do at a certain point. And what Jesus was saying is that I have a limited time frame. This is why when people waste today, what they are doing is that they are downplaying the power of their yesterday and they are not allowing what can become of tomorrow to happen because they are wasting their today with what they should do. So Jesus said, I must walk the walk of him who sent me while it is day. I must walk the walk today because a night is coming, which was a night for him, the time he would go and be crucified and be ascended. That's the end of the earthly ministry. He said, that night is coming. I will not be able to walk. He said, no man will be able to walk. Even in the physical, we must understand 
There were certain things we could do when we were 10 years old. We did them without thinking. When you are 20, you do them. When you are 30, you start to think a little bit about doing them. Then when you are 40, you slow down very well. Then when you are 50, you don't even remember them again. <laughs> because there are, there are things that your body can take. You know, in my 20s, we would just drive. We would drive 1,000 kilometers without thinking, no planning. <laughs> we just get in and say, guys, we need, this was in Nigeria. We say, guys, we need to be in Lagos tomorrow. Yeah, let's get on. 1,000 kilometers, we're just in, just by fuel, we're gone. 27, 28, it means nothing to us. It means nothing. But as we grew older, if I want to travel, if I want to drive now to London, I will plan it for like two days in my head. <laughs> A two-hour drive. I will plan it very well in my head because I can't just carry my body and say, let's go. Ten years ago, maybe I could. Not that there's anything wrong with me, but there is a difference now in myself and in my person. Hallelujah. So every one of us must realize this. So one of the things, I'm going to tell us about four things that we must continue to make sure we are doing with our today. The first thing is we must be rejoicing, giving thanks, and praying in every day, every today. These are commanded things of scripture. Psalm 118 verse 24. Let's look at that scripture. He said, this is the day. Somebody say, this is the day. Now, we sing this in a song, we quote it every time, but many times we trivialize its power. He said, this is the day the Lord has made. We will do what? Rejoice and be glad in it. So, you have no, the devil has no permission whatsoever to pervert what God has done in making a day happen. The moment you see the light of day, this scripture automatically brings to you power to rejoice. If you disagree with the word of God and agree with the enemy, that is your choice. If you want to be a grumpy person and refuse to rejoice on the day, that is your choice, not making available to yourself the power that has already been released in the day. Every time you see the light of day, remind yourself, that is another day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. Why must you? Because there are certain things that might have happened in your yesterday or that may be happening today that may not necessarily want to make you rejoice. So you have to remind yourself that a day that is made by God is one that automatically brings the power to rejoice with it. And if your mindset is like that, on a daily basis, you will find yourself having strength to be able to rejoice all the time. You must be somebody who can rejoice. Find something to make you happy. Find something to make you joyful. The spirit of God on your inside is a spirit of joy. It's a spirit of excitement. It's a spirit that is not one of heaviness. He's a spirit of praise. These are the things the Bible calls him. So every one of us must keep finding things that make them rejoice. My earthly father is going to be with the Lord now. One of the things I learned from him growing up, I was very close to him, so I obviously talk a lot about him. Uh, I was the last of the three children born to my mother, and um, every one of us were, you know, very close to him. But because I stayed the longest when others had gone with him, one-on-one, -on -one, I had the longest spell of my early years, the first sort of 14 years of my life, 13, 14 years of my life, I was really, really close to him, seeing him almost every day. Uh, you know, especially before I went into boarding house in secondary school. But there was this one funny story one day. He just, he finds a way to make light of many things. And uh, we used to have a houseboy. 
I was about eight years old. This man was called Sam. Very short man. I'll never forget him. Sam likes, he is very lazy. Very lazy. You know, even we who were young kids knew that Uncle Sam was very lazy. <laughs> if he washed five clothes, he would sleep for one hour <laughs> and wake up and continue. But somehow my dad kept on coping. He could, he could manage different people different ways. Anyway, Sam would always give an excuse that he wants to travel. Every time he wants to travel. So one, every time he comes, you know the excuse? He would say, an uncle died in his village. So my dad would say, okay, how, many, how long do you need? He said, I'll need a week. He will go. When he comes back, he walk for three weeks. There he say, an aunt died. And he kept on like that. So one day, when he was going, I remember I was with him. And my dad was talking seriously. I thought what he was saying was serious. So I was listening until I saw that he was just making a joke. So my dad looked at Sam and said, Sam, I think this one you are going, just go and stay there in the village yourself. Sam said, why, sir? He said, because... I have a feeling all your relations have died. <laughs> and from all indications, it seems you are the next person to die. So don't come back here. Just stay here so that they will find it easy. <laughs> and we will not have to carry you. <laughs> he said, because, and then he started counting all the people that have died. He said, your uncle has died, your aunt has died. <laughs> so Sam says, I'm so sorry. <laughs> when he saw that he was cut out. But that was my dad for you. He will just create, he will just create fun out of, out of something. Find a way to rejoice. This tension, the world of tension, everyday tension, thinking, tension, thinking. Always Something keeps telling you, why should you be smiling? Why should you be happy? You don't have money. This has not been done. That bill has not been done. Why? No, you have to reject those and say what? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You have to. That's why I say we will rejoice. We will rejoice. You have to determine and decide to rejoice. Then we should be thankful. We should be thankful. Every day gives us an opportunity to be thankful. When you wake up, open your eyes, lift left hand, lift right hand, lift left leg, lift right leg. Don't you know that you had no power in yourself to be able to do those things? God is making something work inside you to make it happen. But some of us, after lifting everything and walking to our own kitchen, we open the fridge, say no milk, no, no this, no that, no nothing to eat. You use your hand to open the fridge. You forgot that there are people who cannot do that. People have to do that for them. You walk downstairs or wherever your kitchen is by yourself. Or if you sleep in the kitchen, you just open your... <laughs> so we've got to be very careful that we are always thankful. There's this dog. I've never met this dog, but I like the dog so much. I wish I could have a dog like that. Very smart dog. It was in the States, the story came, and it was in a neighborhood where, you know, where those days, I think it's minimized now, in, in, in the United States, a whole street, people will buy papers and subscribe to magazines and they roll them up. And then you get these kids, mostly around 10 years, you get that work to be doing as your part-time. In the morning, you carry your bike, and um, you, throw, you take each paper and throw it on everybody's front porch before you go to school. So you take a street, the newspapers will, will pay you for that distribution. So that used to happen. So most of the time, when the kids throw the papers across the fence, it doesn't really land on people's porches. It lands somewhere in their garden because they are riding a bike and picking one and throwing and continuing like that. 
So this dog developed a, a habit. He will go from everybody's house. He will pick the paper from the garden and drop it right in front of the door for them and go to the next house, pick the paper and drop it in front of the house, in front of the door. And everybody knew the dog on the street. And he did it for long, just enjoying it, and then he goes away. He was one of the people on the street that owned the dog, but the dog enjoyed doing that. But one day, one of the residents felt, I need to treat this dog. He's doing a fantastic job. So as soon as the dog came, well, the dog was about to go, he stopped the dog, and he gave him a treat, some bone thing that dogs like eating. And the dog ate it, enjoyed it, and enjoyed it. So the dog now thought, wow, nobody has ever given me this kind of thing before. <laughs> This man that is thankful is a very good man. So the next day, all the newspapers in the field, <laughs> the dog went and carried all of them and gave it to the man. <laughs> you are the good man. All those people, they are useless. <laughs> so the man was shocked when he opened his door and he saw all the <laughs> I said, oh no. <laughs> Hallelujah. I like that dog. I wish I could find him. If a dog can recognize being thankful, how much more our heavenly father let us be thankful. Some of us don't just, we struggle to be thankful. We don't need to be. We waste the day by being unthankful. The Bible says it is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice. First Thessalonians 5, 16. We should rejoice and pray always. He said rejoice always. Pray without season. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do that on a daily basis and watch God give you the power of creativity. Watch God give you the power of multiplication. Watch God give you the power of peace. When you live thankfully every day, you open up something in the spiritual realm that only thanksgiving brings. Like when Jesus lifted up the five loaves and two fish and he said, Lord, I thank you that you hear me and we know the rest of the miracles that happened after. That is the same way thanksgiving opens the heavens for you. So be thankful. Tell your neighbor for me, be thankful every day. Then we can also encourage people and pray for them. I'm still on point one. Hebrews 3, where we read. Earlier on, Pastor Moses led us, for those of you that may not have been aware, he led us on Hebrews 3 from verse 1 to verse 15. I'll be quoting some scriptures from that today. Verse 12 says, Beware, brethren, let there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Beware. Verse 14. Let's read verse 14 together, everybody. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Find time to be an encouragement to, everybody, to other people every day. Pray for yourself, pray for others. Make it a duty. That is why in this church we, we pray every morning corporately from 5 to 6 a.m. weekdays. It gives us an opportunity to do that. Where we come together, we pray for one another and we pray for others and do it in your private capacity as well. So every day must be used for rejoicing, for thanksgiving, and for praying. Praying for yourself and praying for others. Number two, every day must be used for enjoying salvation power. Every day must be used for enjoying salvation power. There is the power of God for salvation. The Bible tells us in Romans 1.16. He said, it is the power of God unto salvation. There is a power of God that works for our salvation. The first element of our salvation is our new birth. So every one of us who is born again, we have enjoyed that power. But everything about our healing, 
about our deliverance, we must also receive from the same power. And the Bible says it is today. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. It says, For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day. Somebody say, now is the day. Say, today is the day of salvation. So if you're under the sound of my voice, if you've never given your life to Christ, why are you waiting till tomorrow? He said, now is the day of salvation. And if you have been born again, and uh, you have anything that the cross has given by way of your salvation, has given to you to be a deliverance, your healing. He says, by his stripes, you have been healed. Everything that he has given to you by way of deliverance, because all, his, all your transgressions and all your iniquities, he has borne upon himself on that tree, on that cross. Everything about your healing and your deliverance, don't wait for tomorrow to get it. The medical report can tell you that it can take two weeks. The medical report can tell you that it can take six months. To heal. The medical report can say anything. But one thing you should know is that God is saying today, if you believe. He said, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Hallelujah. Now is the day that he has given to you. You see, when you look at the life of Jesus Christ and the people he met and he healed or performed miracles in their lives you will find something astonishing. He never told anybody to go and come back for a miracle. Even the man who was arguing with him that he had no man at Bethesda in John chapter 5. Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? He said, I have no man. And he began to give Jesus Christ the story of the poor. He said, the fact is, the man has been there 38 years, so he knows it more than anybody. He said, the fact is this, that once a year, an angel comes, stares the pool, Stares the water. He said, and anyone who gets into it first gets saved. As if Jesus did not know what he was talking about. He was telling him all those things. And then Jesus just said to him, rise. Verse 8, John 5, 8. He said, rise, take up your bed and walk. Just take up your bed and walk. And this is what he's saying to you today. You don't have to wait till tomorrow for that thing that God has already done for you. Today is your day of salvation. I said, today is your day of salvation. Today is your day of healing. I say today is your day of healing. Today is your day of deliverance. In the name of Jesus. Don't wait till tomorrow if you can believe today. Believe today. Whatever it takes God to make it happen will set into motion as soon as you believe. The Bible says, and Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Not the next day. As soon as he believed. Hallelujah. The same thing with the man, the man born blind in John chapter 9. The Bible says Jesus took mud, spat in it, made some paste, and put it on his eyes. And he said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And the Bible says the man went. Somebody said the man obeyed. He said he went and washed and he came back singing. We are the ones that make the most or least of our todays. What we should engage with consistently to make today deliver to us is in our hands. The salvation experience, the salvation power that we are here to enjoy is in our hand to believe. God cannot do more than you can believe of him. Hallelujah. According to your faith, so be it. 
If you believe that certain things will still need to happen to wait for two years to be answered in your life, God is not going to rush you. You must be ready. Even the man that he said, rise, take up your bed and walk. If he did not obey that commandment, Christ would have left him there. As powerful as Christ is, he would have left him there. Blind Bartimaeus said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And when he got to Jesus, he said, what should I do for you? He said, that I may receive my sight. And today, he said, and, and to him that, that day, he said, be it unto you. And as soon as he received the word, the Bible says, he, he could see. So every one of us must make up our minds not to allow things. The situations of this life will always try to suggest to you that certain things we, we cannot be done today. Certain things are impossible. But the Bible makes us to understand that with God, nothing shall be impossible. Now, I know that God doesn't answer all prayers in 24 hours or within the 24-hour time frame of a day. But you must put your faith within the 24 hours. As soon as you have a revelation for certain things to change about your life, for certain things to happen, you believe God first because that starts the process. Hallelujah. The Bible says for Abraham in Romans chapter 4 that he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He was strong in faith. So what he believed was one thing, but how he strengthened himself for 25 years, giving glory to God, was another matter. But if he did not believe God in the first day of the, uh, the, the first year of the 25 years, he would have waited even much longer for that, if at all it ever happened. Every one of us must understand that with God, nothing shall be impossible and we should just need to believe him. Very quickly, I'll move on to the third thing. We must use today for meditating and decision making. We must learn that the power in today to meditate and to make decisions is very, very important. There are many things that happen in our lives that will cause us, that will warrant us making a decision. Some are very simple decisions. Some are much more complicated. But we need to allow the Holy Spirit to help us to see how we meditate on his word, knowing his will for our lives, and taking decisions quickly. Somebody has said, in, in, in most cases, people that are successful entrepreneurs and successful business people are people who make decisions quickly. They make decisions quickly. If you see somebody who dilly-dallies in making decisions and is not sure, he's always sure, he can't go far. Some decisions you make with the, with, the, with the very littlest information you have, and if you're a person of faith, of course, you also believe God to help you, and then you go for it. You make decisions. Now, of course, we don't talk about rash decisions. We don't talk about uninformed decisions. We don't talk about foolish decisions. We talk about sensible decisions that need to be made and made quickly. We must be people who learn. Last week, I was telling you about the prodigal son. This man who left home, this young man who left home and spent all his money, collected his money and spent all his money. The Bible says a time came, he came to himself. And he reasoned that there are better things that are conditions for servants in my father's house. And why should I stand here languishing? And he made a decision quickly to go back home. If that decision to go back home was not made, he would have still stayed there, probably died in the pig's pen. In Numbers 13, just reminding you some very popular stories, Numbers 13, 12 spies go to spy out a land that God said he was giving to his children. 
10 said it is impossible. There are giants there and that they look like grasshoppers in their sight and so on and so forth. But thank God for Caleb and Joshua. They said, let us go up at once. We are able. Every one of us must understand that some decisions we make are not necessarily because they soothe our flesh, not necessarily because they suit our reasoning and our thinking, but because they are in line with the word of God. They are in line with the promise of God. They are in line with the assurance of God. It helps you to be solid. It helps you to keep advancing when you can know on a daily basis how to meditate and make decisions. Second Kings chapter 7. Second Kings chapter 7 verse 3. This was after Elisha. We're going to read this scripture again next, next week in another context, but I'll read from verse 3 now. Second Kings 7 verse 3. This was how Elisha declared that there was going to be food in abundance tomorrow. Verse 1 says, you know, by this time tomorrow, food will be in abundance, basically. I paraphrase. But verse 3 says, Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? Somebody say reasoning. They reasoned. The only potential for this place we are in is death. So why are we just sitting here only to die when there are still options of what we can do? And how many people sit in a place because it's comfortable, nobody's chasing them from it, nobody's moving them away, and they're just gradually dying, maybe not necessarily dying physical death, but they're just gradually stagnating, gradually not, you know, fulfilling purpose, gradually not doing things, but, you know, and then the guy said, why sit here and die? But they said something in verse 4. If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city. There is no food there. And we shall die there. This gate we are in, potential is death. Inside the city, the potential is death. Then they sat and thought. They said, now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. Because in that place, there is food. There is potential to live. However, there is an army there. Let us go and surrender to them. He said, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall what? Then they opened up another possibility. The first two options were death, death. But when they reasoned that, look, there is still another option here. There is no prayer involved here. There is nothing. It's just reasoning. When they reason that there is still another option here, and the Bible says, if they keep us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall only die. Then we still get the same result we would have always gotten anyway. But there is a 50% chance. When people meet me and they say, ah, Pastor, I don't want to apply for that thing because they don't give anybody or they don't give it to people from certain areas or this and that, and they make those excuses. And I say, you know something? If you don't apply, you have 0% chance. They will not come and call you at home to say, we saw that you are such a wonderful person and uh, we, we, our scanner picked you up. <laughs> we sent a drone and it was going over your postcode. And that drone said, that guy, number 30, is wonderful. <laughs> it will never happen. <laughs> it will never happen. But if you apply, do you know that you give yourself 50% chance? Immediately, you are submitting the application. You go from zero to 50%. Because it is either yes or no. 
But when you don't apply, you have zero chance. You see the big difference? So there are things that we must see in our lives that we take a decision on certain days. If something is laid very strongly in your heart to do, to advance yourself, to develop yourself in any way God is calling you, don't dilly-dally anymore. Check with God as soon as you can settle with God. Don't waste time. Go with it. These people said, let's go and surrender to the Syrians. Now, they were lepers. The Syrian uh, 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 soldiers may not need them. Those days, lepers were really, really looked at in a very bad way. So they, may, they said they may kill us, which we come back to. What, but you see, if they don't kill us, we'll have food to eat. We will live. I like their mentality. I like their mindset because this is how believers should be. Never confining ourselves only to the options of death. Never confine yourself only to the options of stagnation. Take steps in line with the word of God and open up possibilities for yourself. In this church, we write proposals every week. Every week, somebody is writing proposal. Out of 50, we get three or four, but that's, that's fine. Let's keep going. <laughs> Hallelujah. A time we come, we'll be getting 30 at the same time. Because if we don't write at all, there's no chance. There's no chance. You see some of the things we buy here, and people think this, they, some, they come from some of those hard work of people writing those bids so that we can, we get some money to do the project, but at the same time, the organization is paid some money for our running, then we get some funds from it, a few thousands to buy things. Wisdom of God. God told me from day one. He said, you, you, I will make sure that there is tithes and offerings in the church, but you will not only rely on tithes and offerings because there will be many more income streams for the church. And we are an organization that will soon be scratching millions of pounds, touching millions of pounds, building and setting up scholarships to help deprived children go to school and never ever have to lack any school trip or anything again in our domain in the name of Jesus. But it will take, it will take these steps of boldness, of courage to keep going. On Saturday, Pastor Moses led a, a team of people all around town to go and reach people with flyers, inviting them. We've done this for eight years. Eight years, every week. Whether we see one or we see hundred, we go again. We keep going, keep going. You see, the seed, people don't understand something about seed. The more you learn how to sow seed, the more you give yourself opportunity for harvest. Many people just like the harvest. Everybody likes the glamorous thing. But many people do not like, I was listening to Bishop T.D. Jakes about five, five years ago or so. I don't know when it was recorded, but the church was just turning 16 years at that time. So it must be some years back because I think they're around about 20-something, 30 years now as a ministry, if not more. But anyway, he said something. He said, now you all see these fancy things and it all looks good and glorious and everybody likes it all over the world. People say, wow, you have a fantastic building and blah, 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 and the church is beautiful. He said, do you know that some of these choir members for the past 16 years, they come here 5 a.m. every Sunday to be able to serve you in the two, three services we do? Every Sunday, and some of them have done it for 16 years. He said, this building that you see that is like, do you know that many people have sold their second property and brought the money, cash, 100% of their second property and said, put it in it before we bought this place? He said, boy, you can see the glory today, but behind the glory is a story. Every day is an opportunity to write a story, but it may be demanding from you something that will not speak immediately, but you must take that decision to do it because it will speak tomorrow. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Every one of us must understand that we need to meditate very well. Be like these four lepers who thought and saw an option to leave and felt, let's go for it because we give ourselves 50% chance. So effective decision, having said this, I like to clarify the difference between waiting on God and procrastination. Because there are two different things. One is right, one is wrong. Procrastination is wrong. Waiting on God is right. So how do we know the difference? It's very simple. Waiting on God is simply making sure that we are not doing today what God wants us to do tomorrow. There are certain things God wants you to do tomorrow. There are many people who have jumped into ministry today when God is telling them it's tomorrow. And when I mean tomorrow, it means it is still some time in the future. But they jump into it today, then they get confused. Then when they pray and it's not working, they start using cocaine <laughs> to support the, the system. Hallelujah. Because God, God will not, because of you, now step back. God is waiting for you in 2027 to take that step, but to be consistent, consistent now. So you go and take it in 2025. God is still there in 2027. Then he's watching you in 2025. See you struggle, see you finding things that you don't need to find. Then when you start to sniff something, you say, you know, you, are, you want to kill yourself now. I did not send you all these things you are doing. This is very important. So waiting on God means we are not doing what we should do tomorrow in our today. Knowing that God has it in store to be done tomorrow. Even though I said whatever you need to do today, do it, do it, do it. Be sure it is an action for today. If it is an action for tomorrow, don't do it today in the, in the name of just wanting to move ahead. No. Wait on God. The Bible says, even though it tarry what? Wait for it. When God told me about ministry, it was December, 20, uh, December 1998. I was on a flight from Tel Aviv to Amsterdam. KLM flight. I can never forget that day. Never forget when he woke me up and he said, I'm taking you out of your home country to minister my word in a unique way. And, you know, that was all he said. And every year, consistently from there, I started watching, knowing, I don't know, I never wanted, in fact, if you ask my wife, she will tell you the first thing I told her in 1992 when we met is the last thing on my card is to ever become a pastor. Because I know what pastors go through, and I did not want that. I said, I will be an engineer, consulting engineer, and I will be serving pastors. Any way they want me to serve, I will serve them. <laughs> Any way they want me to serve. That was my dream, that that is all I need to do, because I wanted to just be away from it. But I said to her, I said, except God says to me, I have to do it. So if you ever hear it from me, just know that it must be God, because it's the list of things that I would say I naturally just want to do. Not that I don't enjoy it, but I never saw it as something that God wanted for me per se. Until God made it clear to me. But it took from 1998, it went up to November 2012. There was a big temptation in 2009 when I had to leave, when I needed to move on from a church that I was serving in, in Wolverhampton, and I needed to move on. The biggest temptation came then. Some of the brethren that felt they needed to leave the church at that time came to me and said, Brother Dave, just tell us wherever it is. I said, there's nothing anywhere. Tell us. They said, we will follow you. We will support you. <laughs> I said, there's nothing anywhere. And I joined the ministry, served for another four years, 
And as they say, the rest is history. Eight years down the line, I look back and I am so grateful to God. This church, for me, I work hard, we work hard, but for me, it's like riding on waves. It's like riding on the waves of the sea where God is truly the one carrying the work and is helping us to do it. And I pray that that will be our experience, every one of us, where we are waiting on God for the appropriate time to do whatever we need to do in the name of Jesus. Now, procrastination is the other way around. Procrastination is refusing to do what you should do today and leaving it for tomorrow. That is procrastination. There are some things you should do today, right today. And every time you look at it, you say, I'll do it tomorrow. The ordinary lawn in your garden, every day you look at it, you say, I'll do it, I'll do it tomorrow. Next Saturday, you see some animals coming out of it. <laughs> you say, I'll do it tomorrow. Next week, where you see it, you see a jungle there looking at you. They say, this is impossible. <laughs> so you do what you should do today. Don't procrastinate on those. The final fourth point is taking faith steps of progress, very akin to decision-making. Because when we make decisions, most of the time, it requires us to take some steps. We must know how to take faith steps indeed. Uh, um, Abraham was a man that we know God called in Genesis 12. And in verse 3, the Bible says, and Abraham departed. He departed. He took the faith steps, not knowing where he's going. And I have found in this life that you are going to be successful. You must know how to take faith steps. When I got to this country and I finished my, my doctorate, I was just about finishing doctorate. God opened up a, a, a way for me to work. And I started doing that work. And... Um, finished my doctorate in it, and everything was going okay, and I got a teaching job. I mean, it's a dream of anybody my age that time, coming fresh from uh, Nigeria and finishing doctorate, you get into academia, it was beautiful. But in the year 2004, I felt very strongly I need to go back. I just came from industry from Nigeria. I felt I need industrial experience in the UK. So I put out my CV, and some of you have heard this story before, and someday one agent called me and he saw my CV and he said to me, this is what you need to do. Go into this area and blah, blah, blah. Some of you know that story, but that's not my emphasis today. But when I was about to leave the university for the first time, that time in 2005, my boss said to me, he said, David, are you sure? He said, this is something that can easily, and I was on a work permit in such a case whereby if the work permit stops, that is the end. You and your family, if there is nothing, you are going back home. You know, it was a very dicey thing. We had opportunity to go to Canada and be permanent residents. We had lost it because we didn't go and all that. We, we, got, we went, but we didn't take it up fully. So there was no going back about it. Now, the key thing is this. I remember saying to him, thank you so much, sir, but I believe that this is what God is saying. He said, I know you're a man of God, so I will let you take your decision. And I just went and spent three and a half years in industry, and that changed everything for me in my stay in the UK. By the time I came out of that, I now felt I can go back to academia, set up my own practice. And those three and a half years, changed my perspective of engineering practice, gave me a firm grounding in the UK, and as we say, the rest is history. Many times I ask my wife, what if I was not confident enough to take that step that time? What if 
What if I was afraid, even though it was God that opened it up so that I could do it, and then the same God opened up a door for me because obviously I wanted to do some academia, I want to produce more PhDs and so on and so forth. So I still wanted to do that, but you can't do that in the industry, but I found that with God's help, I could do it this way. So what I'm saying to you today is that as long as it is God, take the step you need to take at the right time. Never delay. Never delay. What you should do today, do immediately. Even Jesus said to Judas, what you have to do, do what? Quickly. Do it quickly. We don't have time to waste again. It's as good as saying, if you don't do it, somebody else will come and do it. You better do it so that your name will be remembered. <laughs> will be remembered as my betrayer. <laughs> do it quickly. Do it quickly. So let's know the difference between procrastination and waiting on God. Abraham stood in Genesis chapter 13. The Bible says God said to him in verse 17, Arise, walk in the land through its length. Verse 17 now. Thank you. Verse 17. Thank you. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width for I give it to you. Let's read verse 18 together, everybody. Quickly, verse 18. Then Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth tree of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there. My key phrase there is that Abraham moved. Abraham moved. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. And Abraham moved. Every time Abraham moved, God says, go. Abraham moved. It is the secret, one of the secrets of that man's success. Every one of us must realize. Now, movement doesn't always have to be something physical. It can be a shift in the way you do things. You move, you respond. Love your wife some more in a different way. You respond. Submit to your husband and love him some more in a different way. You, you respond. Relate with your child in this way. Change tact. You respond. That is still part of the movement. So it's not only about job or going to ministry or going to another country. No, no, no. It's not only on those kind of things. It's in about ideologies, methodologies, the way you are doing and carrying yourself. What do you need to change? When the Holy Spirit says, change the way you talk. Change the way you talk. He will tell you how to talk. Don't say, that's how I was born. My grandfather talked like that. My father talked like that. My... <laughs> he will tell you how to talk. He will tell you. He will tell you. If you are in my line of educational practice, one of the things that can easily make you uh, a, a frustration to, 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 to your cohort is that you are not talking clearly. So you listen to them. If they are telling you, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, don't say, that is my tongue. My father born me like that, and that is the tongue I've been using. <laughs> you listen to them. Then you do whatever you can. You watch videos. You see how to pronounce words. If you are in America and you, they say W-A-T-E-R. If you are in Nigeria, you say water. If you are here, you say water. If you are in America, you say water. Water? You drink some water? <laughs> Atlanta. 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 We will say Atlanta. You say what? In 1997, when I came to study at Loughborough, that's another funny word. Like Leicester. <laughs> How many of you ever said Leicester? <laughs> and Worcester. <laughs> you don't want to confess now. <laughs> Worcester, Leicester, they say, oh, please, sorry. 
So this man went to the train station. He came from one country like that. <laughs> went to the train station in Houston and he said, I want a ticket to Logoborogo. <laughs> the train man said, what? <laughs> in this country? <laughs> Is it a cigarette or something? Because <laughs> the man was thinking of Marlboro. That's the only way. In this country, Logoborogo? The man said, yes, Logo Borogo. I'm going to university. I just came from that country. <laughs> Logo Borogo. So the man said, can you please write it down so I can see? So he wrote down, L-O-U-G, spelled Loughborough. And he gave it to the man. The man said, oh, Loughborough. The man said, what? <laughs> what? This is Logo Borogo. What's a Loughborough here? Where is the F? Where is the... Come on. <laughs> so if your job entails communicating, you have to learn to communicate better. You can't negotiate it. You can't. So there are things that God will say, take a shift. Every one of us must realize. Finally today, I want to say this. Hebrews chapter 3, where we read earlier. And I'm going to close on this. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Thank you. It says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, this is the important thing. What is he saying to you today? Do not harden your heart, as in the rebellion. They had his voice every day that time. They hardened their heart. He said, don't do like that. In the day of trial in the wilderness, what happened to them? He said, verse 9, thank you. Where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. Verse 10. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Every day I gave them opportunity to, saw, to, to see my hand, giving them manna. They saw me giving them quails to eat. They saw me giving them water. But every day there was no learning in believing me for that day. They complained every day. They saw me part the Red Seas for them. They saw me, they, 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 they walked on dry land and saw me consume their enemies. But yet every day when they are faced with the next problem, they never learned from what it was and they kept on going astray in their heart. They truly have not known my ways. Verse 11, sadly, says, So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. But I decree that as God has brought this way, this word your way today, you will enter into his rest. Amen. Whatever he says to you to do, just do it. Whatever he says to you to do today, to make this today the bridge that will take you to the future of your tomorrow, you need to do it because you stop yourself from becoming who God wants you to be tomorrow if you don't do it. But I believe God that a fresh grace has come upon you today for obedience, for sensitivity, for taking steps in the right direction at the right time. In the name of Jesus. Let's rise to our feet and commit the words to God's hands. Where, where?